Hello, and welcome to Sin Nebraskans, the daily Nebraskan entertainment podcast. As always, I'm your host, Kyle Cruz, joined by my co-host. Hello, everybody. My name is David Berman. Um, I am the Daily Nebraskans uh, Editor-in-Chief for next year, um, so very excited for that. Um, and I also do this this podcast um, where we talk about some movies and, and stuff. As well as? I'm Mia Everding. I am a grad student and a co-host of this podcast. That's all I do. And yeah, I'm Kyle Cruz. Uh, I just graduated this weekend, so hey. now I'm just, I'm not even a grad student. I'm just a guy that <laughs> talks about some movies for the next like month and a half-ish. Before you are banished from the DN forever. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just kind of here. We burn everything you've ever done. Yes. Go. Get out of here. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, so yeah, this is Cinebraskans. We, we talk about movies and such, and we'll just jump into our first uh, segment of the week, which is what have I, what have I... Uh, man, it's been, <laughs> it's been it's been a couple weeks since we do this, and I just forgot everything about how what it takes to host a podcast. He, he graduated, and all the knowledge left his his mind. Yep, he's gone. Now I got those degrees. I'm like, I have the written proof. I don't need any of this. Yep. <laughs> um, so yeah, we'll just jump into what have I done? What have done? What done? Which is the segment which in which we talk about what movies or TV or whatever we've been up to. Um, so yeah, as usual, Dave, let's start with you. What have you been up to? So I was looking at my letterbox as I usually do to figure out what I've been doing. Um, and I kind of forgot I had watched this movie until I looked at my letterbox and saw it was there. Um, and that is the movie, the week of, um, starring Adam Sandler and, uh, Chris Rock. Um, and it's, I believe it's a happy Madison production. Um, and so it's about, it came out. 2018 and it's about uh chris rock's son i think and adam sandler's daughter are getting married and it's about the week of their children's wedding and all the chaos that ensues because of that my my roommates and i are are very much on a just if if we're looking for a dumb movie to watch and we just don't want to think about it at all we just watch adam sandler movies on netflix because there are a lot of adam sandler movies on netflix and so we decided to turn it on. And, you know, I think it's, like, a good movie. Like, it kind of surprised me. It, it, it wasn't, like, amazing at all. It was okay. It felt kind of different than a lot of his other movies. It was a lot more, like, intimate and was kind of shot. It was shot handheld and was just very simple. There wasn't a lot of music to it. It wasn't, like, jokes in your face like Adam Sandler usually does. Um, and pretty much the running gag of this movie is Adam Sandler keeps on getting like more and more family members of his and of Chris Rock just like living in his house before the week of the wedding. And it just kind of becomes like an insane, just literally everybody in the wedding is staying at his house. Um, and yeah, it's honestly pretty good. Like I, I laughed a few times, (laughs) which, which is usually good for a comedy. And it was strangely like poignant and about like fatherhood and like letting your, your your children like accepting that they're going to leave the house and get married and and have lives without you. And yeah, it was like good. I think I think it's a good movie. I give it a three out of five. So <laughs> yeah. A uh, couple questions. Uh, first of all, so you said that like the premise is like family members coming to his house. I feel like that like would give a lot of like would provide a stage for a lot of like really great cameos are there good cameos in this or are they just kind of random people um 
they're just random people, I'm pretty sure. Disappointing. Uh, Rachel Dratch <laughs> is his wife, and Steve Buscemi is also in it. And I don't remember I don't remember who he is related to Adam Sandler, but he's someone. Um, <laughs> but besides that, it's just a it's just a bunch of random people. So yeah, sad. Yeah. Uh, secondly, uh, what do you think this movie has on Rotten Tomatoes? Forty-five percent. It's got a twenty-seven. <gasps> what? Yeah. Come on. What do you think its audience score is? Sixty-five. Thirty-four. What? <laughs> I thought it was pretty good. Like it definitely is not like objectively a very good movie because it's an Adam Sandler movie. But like for Adam Sandler movies, it's pretty good. <laughs> it wasn't like outrageously offensive in any sort of way. Like a lot of his movies are. Is this the first time Adam Sandler and Chris Rock have worked together? I don't. Sure, surely not. Yeah, I'll say I don't. I can't like think of a specific instance in which they have. But, it, but I mean, they come from the same time. Yeah. Like, this, yeah. Uh, but how, how is their chemistry? So what's kind of weird about this movie is they don't share screen time a lot. Yeah. <laughs> like, especially for the first, like, 40 minutes of it, Chris Rock is just... Because Chris Rock is, like, a bad dad. Like, he's, mm-hmm. he's, he's, he's a very rich surgeon, and he's just not very... He's not there for his son. And so he doesn't show up until later. And then he's like, oh, I hate being around all of Adam Sandler's family. But then he learns about the true meaning of family. Um, but yeah, like they're good. Yeah, yep. pretty much like the main dynamic of this is Adam Sandler is just like a New Jersey guy who is like a middle class guy, and he's like, oh, I insist on paying for this wedding, even though like Chris Rock is a very rich surgeon and could mm-hmm. make it a very good wedding. And so Adam Sandler has a wedding at like a Best Western in New Jersey. <laughs> so <laughs> so that's pretty good. But yeah, it's it's definitely a movie that exists, and I didn't hate it. So. <laughs> That's a positive. That's a ringing endorsement. <laughs> All right. What about you, Mia? What have you been watching? Well, you gave me crap for saying the French or writing the French name <laughs> of this movie. So I'll say the English name. Um, yeah, English. I was like, I for some reason, I was like, the British name of it. <laughs> the language I we are speaking that right. is of the English variety. There we go. <laughs> and that is Faces Places. Um, it's a documentary from 2017, and it's about um, Anya's Varda. It was one of her last films, and she teams up with a photographer named J.R., and they go throughout France and, like, the French countryside, and they take pictures of people, and they print out these huge pictures, like, black and white photographs, and then they just, like, paste them on, like, buildings or, like, a bunker that's on the beach or just all these random objects that they find um, in these remote French villages. Um, It's kind of... I mean, it's kind of a culmination of, like, talking about... That's not the right word. It's just a combination of, like, talking about Varda's life and all of her work and how um, JR was kind of inspired by her, but then she also had found his work and they had wanted to link up, like, ages ago and they just hadn't. And so this is just a... There's a lot of, like, just conversation in there of talking about Varda's life, and she's, like, losing her vision, and so she really wanted to complete this project before her vision was, like, totally gone. Um, It's very, like, quiet, I would say. There's not really a super strong narrative throughout it, and you kind of... Like, I mean, it's a documentary, so you don't ever, like, come back to the people that they, like, talk to throughout the movie, which maybe could make it a little jarring, but it's just a really lovely story, Um, and the cinematography is, like, so beautiful. I could have cried several times. Um, I think this was... 
only the second time I saw it, maybe the third time, um, but I only saw it like years ago for the first time um, and was not really aware of how much I liked cinematography. So seeing it this second time, like years later, after kind of working in, in cinematography or at least in like photojournalism, like gave me so much of an appreciation for it. Um, yeah. So it's beautiful. And it was on YouTube. So I don't know. That's on YouTube. Yeah. I mean, it was like $3, but not bad at all. I thought it, once upon a time it was on Hulu, but it might not yeah, yeah. still be. I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't have Hulu, so I didn't check. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I have also seen Faces Places. Uh, we watched it. I actually started at the Ross prior to taking mm. class with Dixon because I was already reviewing movies that came to the Ross when it came out. Nice. Um, but yeah, uh, I don't have a lot more to add other than, yeah, it's just, it's a very beautiful film about just people. Mm-hmm. It, just like people live in their lives and the things that they do and the way they interact together. Yeah. And yeah, it's very, very good. Very good. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Mia, can you say, can you pronounce the French? I mean, way? it's just visage, village. Cool. <laughs> I, just, I just want to make sure you had that cred, you know. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Don't pronounce the S's at the end because it's plural. Visages, vill- villages. Villages, correct. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. I've done it. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, as for what I've been up to, um, so I watch, so there's two episodes of the new uh, Disney animated Star Wars show, The Bad Batch, out now. Uh, I've talked about this uh, a little bit on the podcast um, when the trailers were coming out, and specifically about how I wasn't really looking forward to this show. Like, it's it's kind of a spinoff of The Clone Wars, but, like, these characters were introduced in the last season of The Clone Wars, and I didn't think they were particularly interesting. So I wasn't terribly interested in this show. But uh, on May the 4th, which was about a week ago, they dropped the first episode of the season, which, by the way, so most of the episodes of the season, apparently it's going to be, like, 16 episodes or something. Uh, most of the episodes are going to be, like, 20 to 30 minutes long. The first episode is an hour and 10 minutes long oh like it's basically just like a feature thing nice um and the first episode of this is like really good like way better than i expected it to be um because one thing that like it makes sense like following the show um like seeing the show's placement in the star wars timeline of like what it is but basically the show so far is kind of an analysis of like the aftermath of episode three like immediately after like what happens when suddenly the government just like is like it topples and then there's just an empire and like the implementation of that and like the reaction of just like everyday people to that and like seeing like on the ground what that does and like what how people react to that and yeah it's just really interesting um and so i want to talk a little bit about like the opening like probably five ten minutes of the first episode um and so it opens and it's the bad batch and they're like on a mission in the clone wars um and there's a jedi and a padawan there i don't remember the name of the jedi but the padawan was uh, a jet uh was a jedi named caleb dune um who if you've watched star wars rebels you know that that goes uh that padawan goes on to become kanan jarrus who's like one of the main characters in star wars rebels um and so they're they're doing this mission with them, and then Order sixty six happens, uh, and you see like Kanan's like Jedi Master like get killed, and like him go on the run, and just like everything about that, um, and like Kanan wasn't he wasn't in any of the advertising or anything, so it was just a very big surprise to like start the show with this character, um, but it like worked. It wasn't like a forced thing. It kind of was just like an interesting. It was a scene that like we knew we had heard about uh, both in Rebels and apparently in books. Um, but we'd never actually seen on screen. So it was really interesting to see that. Um, 
But what I like about this is that these characters who I said that I didn't particularly enjoy in the final season of the Clone Wars are handled much better here. Like they're all like fully fleshed out and developed into like their own personalities. Because basically, like the the gist of who these characters are is they're like a group of clones that were like specifically altered to be good at certain things. So like one of them's like a really good sniper, and one of them is just like a really big beefy guy. He's basically like Bane. Uh, and then one of them's like really smart and like good at hacking stuff. And yeah, they all have like their own niche um, thing. But because uh, they were altered when they were being cloned, they weren't like affected by Order 66. So they didn't like have to turn on the Jedi or anything. And they're kind of just very confused by everything that's happening because they don't know why the clones are like suddenly killing the Jedi and like everything that's happening. Um, so it's really interesting just to follow their perspectives. And like in the first episode, they go back to Kamino um, and it shows you like, so Tarkin's there and it shows him like shutting down clone production and explaining like why the empire doesn't want clones anymore. They want like to recruit soldiers and that kind of stuff. And a lot of like things that were never like fully explained, like in, in film or TV for star Wars are like, like a lot of little questions are being answered and explored in this show, um, which was unexpected. But I'm I'm definitely on board with it. They introduce a character called Echo, who is a, like a child, and it's kind of they haven't fully explo- like explained who she is. But the kind of just I'm getting so far is like she so she's a female clone, um, but and she's like the first female clone they've had, um, and they haven't outright confirmed this, but it's kind of been heavily hinted that she's also the first like force sensitive clone, um, which is I think is a really interesting idea, and she's an interesting character. Um, and they're kind of creating like a father-daughter relationship between her and like the the head guy of the Bad Batch is a guy named Hunter. Um, and yeah, it's just a lot of really interesting character beats um, and just interesting um, just kind of developments of the Star Wars universe uh, happening in the show. And yeah, I did not expect to like this show. And now I like actively really enjoy the show. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with the rest of the season. Cause, uh, so the second episode, so yeah, first episode came out May the 4th, which was like last Tuesday, I think. Um, and then the second episode came out that Friday and now it's just coming out every Friday. Um, yeah. In about half hour segments. Yeah. It's pretty good. Um, it's, it's set up in a way that like you don't need to watch like Clone Wars or Rebels or anything to like understand this show, but like having those shows for context will like enhance your like it will enhance just your no- general knowledge of what's going on. Okay. Um, but it's not like a necessity. Um, Sweet, yeah. yeah. I know uh, I had mentioned around when the Mandal- the Mandalorian was was coming out that I was really in a Star Wars mood and I was going to watch Clone Wars, and then I did not do that. Um, so I might, yeah, I might check this out. I honestly, I knew it was coming, but I had no idea it had come out already. So yeah, cool. it's pretty good. The animation is like really good, good, um, which is yeah, exciting to see. Um, and I don't think Dave Filoni is like show running this. I think he's like involved as like a producer or something, but I don't think this is like directly his show in the same way that like Clone okay. Wars and Rebels were. Interesting. Um, I don't know who's actually show running this. Also, I just want to shout out the guy. So obviously since they're clones, um, in the Clone Wars show, like the same guy voiced all the, like literally all of the clones and he voices all the members of the Bad Batch in this as well. But he gives them each like distinct personalities, <laughs> which is really interesting. Like you would barely know it was the same guy voicing every one of them. Nice. Um, so I don't know. I don't remember his name, but props to him. He's doing a good job. Nice. Um, I don't think he voices Echo though, because she's a girl. And he's and a child. Yeah, and a child. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
But yeah, uh, I also want to just briefly mention uh, uh, a band, one of my favorite bands, uh, Weezer, released a new album this week um, called Van Weezer, which is kind of a, a reference to Van, Hel- uh, I about said Van Helsing, uh, to Van Haven. <laughs> um, and it's the, the, the Van album. Van yeah, Van Halen. Yes. Like, yeah. Yeah. Did I, is you that said what Van Haven, I think. Oh. You said Hel- Helsing or something. Yes. You or, said Helsing, yeah. and then you said oh. Van Haven. Did oh. I? Oh. <laughs> and then I, I was like, it's, Van Halen? It's, uh, yeah, Van Halen. All right. Um, yeah, so it's a reference to that, and the, with like the kind of pitch for this album, it's it's more of like a, a classic 80s hard rock album. Um, and yeah, it's okay. Um, Weezer, being a Weezer fan is 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 a is a difficult thing because sometimes they release an album and it's incredible. Uh, case in point, OK Human earlier this year they released it in January and that's like a very they included like orchestra in that album and it's very baroque and very interesting and really catchy uh, and I love that album it's very good uh, but then this album man it's just it's there's some good tracks here but. For the most part, it's just kind of cringy lyrics and old guys playing some dad rock um, <laughs> that you could tell that they're having fun with it, but it's just not very good. Um, and there's one song on this. Uh, it's called like uh, it's Blue Something. I don't I don't even remember. Um, but like the they just blatantly use the the riff from Crazy Train uh, by Black. Uh, is, is that an Ozzy Osbourne song or is that a Black Sabbath song? <laughs> I think that's Ozzy Osbourne. Is it? Okay. Um, anyway, but yeah, they just like directly take that riff and like they're definitely doing it like on purpose and like they're being very like open about it. But like that riff is when that riff that you're borrowing is the best part of the song, it just doesn't really work. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. There's there's some good tracks on here. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull it up on Spotify real quick. Um, don't worry, I'm not gonna play it, but I just want to see the track list. Um, like there's one song uh, called like I think it's one more hit. Um, that's like, yeah, it's one more hit. Uh, that's like oddly heavy for Weezer. Like it's it's definitely not what I expected from them. Um, and so I really I really like that song. And like the the singles they released are alright. Like Hero, um, all the good ones. And I think I need some of that. It's probably their best single from the album. Um, but yeah, for the most part, it's, it's not like a bad Weezer album and Weezer has released some, some truly awful albums, like, (laughs) like the black album a few years ago and make believe like 10 years ago. And just like, just generally like they, (laughs) some of their work I think is complete trash. Um, and I say that as a fan, (laughs) um, but this is kind of somewhere in the middle. Yeah. And so, if you're into Weezer, I'd say check it out. If you're not, this isn't going to be the album to sell you on them. It's kind of just something that you can listen to if you want to, I guess. Um, but it's by no means, like, necessary Weezer listening. Um, so, cool. if you want to listen to a good Weezer album from 2021, go listen to OK Human instead. You, don't, you, don't, you just don't need to listen to this. Mm. It's, yeah. Anyway, uh, so from there, we'll just move into our, our news for the week. Uh, and so we, we didn't record last week just because last week was finals week and getting ready for graduation and just lo- lots of different factors last week. Yes, yes. Um, so we're kind of catching up a little bit, but there's actually not a, like there's a fair amount of news, but not like a ton of news, all things considered. Um, so, yeah, first off. Uh, there's been a lot of conversation recently about whether or not the Green Lantern Corps TV show on HBO Max was still happening, um, but it appears that it is, because last week uh, they announced that Finn R- Wittrock um, is going to be playing Guy Gardner um, in the Green Lantern Corps series. 
Um, I, Finn Wittrock, he's in a fair amount of things. I know him best as like Emma Stone's boyfriend pre Ryan Gosling in La La Land. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, he's going to be playing Guy Gardner, which is like an '80s version of the of of Green Lantern. He's very kind of macho energy. Apparently, he's. Uh, in the show, he's kind of going to be a jerk, but like a likable jerk. And apparently that's the way he is in the comics. I know very little about the, the character in the comics other than he's a redhead. He has a bull cut and he wears like a, a like a letterman's jacket with like the, the furry like hood and everything. It looks very 80s. Um, but he's going to be playing Guy Gardner. So I think that's interesting. Uh, we also got some more details about like what the show itself is going to be with this casting. Um, and apparently it's going to visit like a bunch of different... Uh, like versions of the Green Lantern, like throughout time. So, like the the Guy Gardner character will be like in the in the eighties or nineties or something. But then also they're going to be including Alan Scott from like the forties, um, who is the original Green Lantern and who recently has become uh, been uh, like kind of reinvented as as a gay character. Um, and that's something that they will be exploring in the show. Um, and then, yeah, they'll be exploring, obviously, uh, Hal Jordan and uh, John Stewart in the show as well at different points in time. And I don't know how they're going to tie that all together. I'm curious to see what approach they take to that. Um, but I think it, it sounds interesting enough. Um, apparently, Finn Wittrock is a, is a good actor. So good for him for getting a role like this. Um, do you guys have any thoughts? I always forget who Finn Whitrock is, and then I look him up, and I'm like, oh, yeah, it's that guy. He's been in some things. <laughs> yeah. Um, he I, has a very recognizable face. He does. Mm-hmm. Uh, notably, one of his first roles was the love interest in uh, Halloween Town High, which is, uh, <laughs> which is a, a favorite from my childhood. So, wow. Um, big moves. Big moves for, for him. Yeah. For Finn. Do you have any thoughts, Mia? Um, Not particularly. I kind of forget who he is. I feel like I've seen him in more things than he's actually been in. But um, I just looked up his, like, filmography, and nope, it's only the couple things that I'm thinking of, so I don't, I don't know. I also, like, just get him, when I hear Finn Whitrock, I just think of Finn Wolfhard for, like, a second, and I'm like, yeah. oh, ah. two very different people, I'd say. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, so, yeah, moving on. Uh, last week, Marvel uh, made headlines when they released a video, it's called, like, welcome back to the movies or something like that that's not direct but yeah um and in that video they kind of just talked about all the movies that they have released and just like the general theater experience before getting into what's coming up and there were a few big announcements in here uh first of all we got our first look at the eternals which comes out this november um nothing too crazy about it it's just some people standing around pretty much yep there's angelina jolie waving a glowing sword uh, yeah. And then some, so there's like a shot of uh, Kumail Nanjiani taking off some sunglasses. Uh, apparently, he's playing like his ver- like his character in this. Like he's an Eternal, but like I guess the premise of this is like all the Eternals kind of like split up a long time ago, and they just kind of went off and are doing their own things around the world because they're like immortal character, um, immortal people. And at this point in time, uh, Kumail Nanjiani's character is like a Bollywood star. Nice. Um, so I think that's really interesting. Um, but yeah, uh, I think the Eternals footage, it looks pretty good. I think they wanted to get footage from this out sooner than later because they wanted to capitalize on Chloe Zhao just winning the Oscar a couple weeks ago. Um, and yeah, uh, but the big news coming out of this is we got, tr- uh, titles for Black Panther 2 and Captain Marvel 2. So Black Panther 2, uh, is going to be titled Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Um, again, they're not recasting Chadwick Boseman for this, so they're just 
working around that. And apparently the the movie is made very specifically to kind of honor Chadwick Boseman's legacy. So like T'Challa, even though he won't be in this movie, like his presence will still definitely be there, um, which I think is really interesting. I think it's a very appropriate title for that. Um, yeah, sounds good. Uh, and then Captain Marvel 2. I think this is very interesting because it's not actually Captain Marvel 2. They're calling it the Marvels. And the S in the logo is the Miss Marvel logo. Mm. Um and we've already gotten confirmation that uh, Ms. Marvel's going to be in this movie. And um, uh, why I can't remember the name of the character. Tiana Paris's character from WandaVision. Um, yeah, uh, Monica Rambeau. Yes. Is that it? Yeah. yeah. She's going to be in this as well. Uh, so apparently the three of them are going to be teaming up and doing some, some Marvel stuff. Shooting some lasers out of their hands. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think it's an interesting title. I think it's an interesting direction to take the character because it's not a direct sequel. And it's the first time – well, I suppose it's not the first time Marvel's – I was going to say it's the first time they've, like, completely, like, changed the title of a, of a property moving forward. And then I thought back to Ant-Man and then Ant-Man and the Wasp. And now they have Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. Yeah. It's like kind of there, kind but of. not really. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this is the first like hard name change, uh, which I think is interesting. So like is Captain Marvel not going to be getting like a full trilogy? Is this technically still the second chapter? Or is she just like another character in this? Yeah. I don't know. It'll be interesting to, to find out. And this is being directed by Nia DaCosta, um, who has directed like the upcoming Candyman film. I forgot, but I'm really excited for that. Yeah, I think it looks really good. Um, I don't know any of her work prior to that. Um, but yeah, so that's something to look forward to. Uh, Black Panther, I believe, is coming out July 2022, and The Marvels is November 2022. Um, and then Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, uh, which has previously been undated, is now officially coming out May 5th, 2023. So just under two years away. Um, so that's very exciting. Well, that'll uh, be like six years after the second one, yeah. which is kind of crazy. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah. Um, and yeah, yeah. Uh, I didn't include it on the doc here, but then Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, also got a release date, and that's like February 2023. Um, so that's just a few months before Guardians Volume 3. Um, so yeah, I think this all sounds really interesting. I'm glad to see Marvel like actually kind of laying out their Phase 4 plans, because like, this, this whole video kind of very specifically detailed what movies are coming out, when they're coming out. Uh, and it ends with a Fantastic Four logo without a release date, but I assume sometime in 2023, considering they end with Guardians 3 in May of 2023. Um, and so, yeah, it looks like this is what Marvel Phase 4 is going to be in terms of just movies, not including all of the Disney Plus shows that they've got coming out. Um, so, yeah, just generally, what's your guys' reaction to this? Anything that stands out to you? Yeah, I don't, I don't think really that much else um, besides what you've already said. Yeah, I think... Definitely interesting, the Captain Marvel name change, um, just because, and this literally might not have anything to do with this decision, but I know there has been, there have been a, a fair amount of people who, like, don't love the Captain Marvel character, um, and so maybe, like, that's kind of a correction, like, a correction for Disney, and just, they want to take the focus off of her. I have no idea if that's the case. I think that would be kind of dumb, because I like Brie Larson I like that character I think they can do a lot more with her than they already <laughs> have um but yeah I mean besides that I think just good to I mean yeah we have so much Marvel stuff coming yeah, it's, it's, it's gonna be a lot it's but be I, a lot. I, I I'm I'm excited for it yeah do you have any thoughts Mia 
No, I guess I was just thinking that it feels like it's a great length of time between like the end of phase three and, and phase four. Like this feels like, I don't know, enough time that, and with enough things in between to get excited for this next wave of things. I don't know. I guess I haven't really thought about it much because I, I think I parcel them out into different projects in my mind instead of like seeing them all like within one package. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is definitely exciting to think about. Like it's all going to be intertwined obviously but yeah i i agree that it's it's interesting to start like considering all these movies as like a defined phase four like as one package like you said um specifically with fantastic four in there because like obviously they had announced a fantastic four movie but i think including that logo like in the series of logos that they were showing at the end of this kind of like i don't know personally like it made it feel a little bit more real to me um it made it feel like hey, this is, like, actually coming and, like, actively in development. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they've already cast the Fantastic Four at this point. They just haven't announced it yet. Um, the, I feel like they have. Yeah, because, yeah. like, they've already... Because John Watts is directing the Fantastic Four, um, who directed... Well, he directed Spider-Man Homecoming and Far From Home and is directing No Way Home. Um, so then he's moving on to the Fantastic Four right after that. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited about this. Uh, there was something else I was going to say. Uh, oh in terms of captain marvel i don't think like the the because i think the people that don't like captain marvel are a very vocal minority yeah um because like if you look like on paper at that character and her in the mcu the movie that she was in in 2019 is a billion dollar movie um and then like the she has a very small role in avengers endgame but like her role in avengers endgame is very memorable and like she yeah like she has very good scenes in that. So I, I think I don't think that they're like shifting away from Brie Larson by any means. I think they're just kind of expanding that corner of the Marvel universe. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Yeah. Um but yeah, moving on from there. Uh a few weeks ago we talked about how DC is developing a new Superman movie um that is different from the Henry Cavill version of the character. It's being written by uh Ta-Nehisi Coates. Um, and yeah, news came out this week that DC has committed to finding a black actor and a black director for this film. Um, it's going to be, uh, there's some outlets reporting that it's going to be a black version of Kal-El, um, or Clark Kent. Um, but that hasn't been picked up by any of the major trades. So take that with a grain of salt. It could still be one of the other, uh, one of the few different black versions of Superman that already exists in the comics. Um, we don't have many details beyond that. Um, but yeah, I think it's really interesting. Um, and yeah, I'm on board for this. Uh, I think it'll be good. I'm excited to see more Superman. And I think going in this direction with Superman, definitely, cause it kind of, it doesn't like outright confirm, but it basically confirms that this version of Superman is kind of going to be akin to like Robert Pattinson's version of Batman, where it's yeah. kind of like its own standalone thing, especially if it's just another version of Clark Kent. Um, so that kind of leaves the door open to like the main DCU bringing back Henry Cavill potentially, which I think is really interesting and probably a smart way to go about this kind of to maintain some sense of continuity. Um, but yeah, what do you guys think about this? Yeah, I think this is really great. Um, I think while I would like them to bring back Henry Cavill, as I've mentioned, I think they will probably, probably, um, at least in some capacity, um, yeah, I think for me, Superman has never been a especially compelling character to me just because he's so powerful. You can't, like, it, I feel like it's a very hard character to write. And <laughs> in the various on-screen, on-screen iterations we've gotten, 
I feel like in general they have they haven't like differentiated themselves enough to like really interest me in general. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I would love to see something new from Superman, and that sounds like what we're getting, which is great. Um, and yeah, it, DC is definitely you know they have their main their uh, it seems like they have their main DC universe that is kind of interconnected and then they're doing these kind of like else worlds the kind of separate stories which i like i think you know the mcu is great and obviously i love that everything's connected there but i don't think that's what you have to do and i think that's honestly what dc should do to make it so that they're different yeah um and there were reports going around that apparently dc is very excited about proud of and banking on the flash movie which is coming out i believe next year sometime it, it just started shooting in the past few weeks um, but apparently that film is, like, introducing the idea of, like, a multiverse to yeah. the DCEU. Um, and I think they're definitely going to lean into that so that versions of characters such as, like, maybe this new version of Superman or Robert Pattinson's Batman, um, so that those technically, like, if you squint, could be considered, like, in the same vague universe because they're going uh, all in on the multiverse with the with these movies. Um, we've already seen set photos of them shooting at like Michael Keaton's version of Batman's Wayne Manor, um, which I think is really interesting. Um, so never say never on like crossing over this version of Superman. Um, but I think it's, I think they're definitely like leaving the door open in that sense, which is a smart move, I think. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You have any thoughts, Mia? Not particularly. You're all both much more versed in this. Not a Superman (laughs) super fan. No. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask if you've seen a Superman movie, but then I realized we showed yeah. Man of Steel. So never mind. But that's probably the only one. Yeah, I think that's the only seen one. Chris Reeves Superman movie? No, she I didn't haven't. know the Chris Reeves Superman theme just a few weeks oh, ago. Oh, yeah, this true. is true. <laughs> <laughs> Sad. Yeah. Um, yeah, so moving on. Uh, our last bit of comic book moves, movie news or comic book news in general uh deals with the loki show coming to disney plus later this summer um it has been moved up to june 9th by two days um and yeah the only reason they're doing that is because they want the show to air on wednesdays instead of fridays um there's a couple reasons that could be attributed to this first of all um they're just trying to i think disney plus is trying to not bank on friday releases anymore because they're going to be starting to release movies on fridays and they don't want to overlap like that but then also i think um they also have the bad batch coming out on fridays now Mm -hmm. and the bad batch isn't like a major show or anything but it is garnering some conversation because it's star wars um so that way since the bad batch is 16 episodes it's still going to be airing when loki starts airing um so that way they don't have to overlap those two major franchises yeah i think it's uh, it's probably a good move i kind of like having it on Wednesdays, and I kind of hope that they do that with the rest of their shows, um, just because then you don't have to worry about Fridays being movies and shows. Yeah. Yeah. What do you guys think? Yeah, I like that. And, I mean, we we get it. We get every episode two days earlier now, which is just truly, truly very (laughs) exciting. Yes. Um, We'll all even out in the first week. (laughs) I mean, but we still are getting it earlier. I guess. Than we normally would be. It, it still is two days earlier. The whole thing sure. is like shifted forward two days. I know, but like two days. <laughs> I mean, that is two fewer days you have to wait to see, to see Tom, Tom, Tom Hiddleston. Tom Hiddleston. Yeah. I mean, if, if anything, this should get you very excited. I mean, yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> it's two days, though. It's two days, Mia. It's huge. If it was a week, I'd be like, yeah. <laughs> the show is only a month away. Wow. Yeah. Like less than a month away. It's pretty exciting. I'm ready. 
yeah yep. it's gonna be good um so yeah that's it for our comic book movie uh stuff moving on to some just general movie news uh very quickly, Justice Smith doubts that Detective Pikachu is going to get a sequel. Justice Smith obviously was the was the main star in Detective Pikachu. Um, that film came out a few years ago. It was somewhat successful at the box office. Like, it didn't lose money by any means. Um, but everyone just kind of stopped talking about it after a few months. And so I don't think it's a... Like, I'm, I personally really enjoyed T- Detective Pikachu just because, like, I'm a big Pokemon fan. Um, but I can understand not getting a sequel to it just because it hasn't... It hasn't really driven that brand as much as they thought it would, um, so I think it just makes sense. Are you guys are you guys heartbroken that we're not getting a sequel to Detective Pikachu? No, <laughs> I it was good. I thought it was fine. Um, I think I thought this at the time when they announced it, and I think I still think it now. It was very just a very weird choice for like the first live action Pokemon movie for mm-hmm. like this very small property like within that franchise. Uh, I think it re- it felt like Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them for me, where it was like, yeah, this is a fun adventure in a universe I know, but, like, why are we focusing on this? And also, where do you go from here? Because we know who Detective... Spoiler alert, I guess, for Detective Pikachu. Detective... Mia, do you do you want the end of Detective, Detective yeah, Pikachu? Yeah, go for it. So, so the premise of Detective Pikachu is that there's, there's a Pikachu, and he can talk, voiced <laughs> by Ryan Reynolds, and he wants to use a detective, you know, hence the name. Um, and so he teams up with Justice Smith to find Justice Smith's dad. And it turns out Tech Detective Pikachu is Justice Smith's dad the whole time. Yeah. And they, he's trapped in a Pikachu's body. Yeah. They, like, used weird psychic Pokemon things to, like, yeah. huh. put, like, his, like, I guess, like, personality into this Pikachu, which wow. was, like, his dad's Pikachu. Um, so oh. they got kind of like merged in that way. Yes. Wow. Um, so they got separated at the end. So there's yeah. there's a there's a full Ryan Reynolds walking around by the end of the movie and a full huh. peak and a band of Pikachu. So, yeah. Wow. So there's not unless he gets unless they get merged again. Yeah. They, I don't know. Like it, it feels like a Fantastic Beast two where it's like it's a Grindelwald movie, but also the Fantastic Beast characters are there. Like, I feel like they'd be like, Ash Ketchum's here, and also Ryan Reynolds. Like, yeah. I, I feel like they'd probably just do that. Yeah. So, as I remember you wrote, I feel like a few years ago in a DN article, the Pokemon franchise... There's a lot to do there's with There's a it. lot to do with it in, a, in, a, like in, in movies. Like, mm-hmm. I think it would make a lot of money if you just made a Pokemon, like, just make a movie with Ash Ketchum. Just, like, do that, billion-dollar movie. Like, like I, I truly believe that. Just remake Pokemon, the first movie, yeah. in live action, yes. and people will eat it up. Yes, absolutely. Like, um, imagine seeing the bit where Ash gets turned to stone in live action. And, and, it's, a, and it's a CGI Pikachu just crying. Yeah. It's Ryan Reynolds again. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, Ryan Reynolds as Ash Ketchum. Yes. Um, but yeah, I... Whatever. I, I'm sure we will get another Pokemon movie eventually, but I'm okay to not be Detective Pikachu. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, so yeah, moving on. Uh, Gareth Edwards, who directed uh, 2014's Godzilla, as well as Rogue One a few years after that. Um, he's kind of been, just been off the map since Rogue One came out. He hasn't had any new movies or anything since then. Um, but apparently he's working on a film called True Love, which I don't know anything about. Um, but it has cast John David Washington as its lead. So that just immediately adds, adds some repu- <laughs> uh, rep- reputability to yes, it. Yeah. Cool. Um, and so, yeah, I don't have much else to say about this other than, yeah, sounds, sounds cool, I Whoa. guess. Cool beans. 
Yeah. What a cool man. Um, yeah, and then moving on from there, uh, Camila Cabello's, uh, or Camila Cabello's uh, version of Cinderella, which was supposed to come out this July, uh, it has been announced that it is officially skipping movie theaters and is just debuting and being available on Amazon Prime. Hmm. Um, I'm looking forward to this movie. I think it sounds interesting. It's kind of like a modern retelling of Cinderella. Um, and uh, Billy, uh, why, why can I not remember his name? Um, Billy, Billy something is playing uh, the fairy godmother. Oh, Porter. Billy Porter. Uh, Billy Porter's playing the fairy godmother, which I've said before, I'm just very excited about. I, I think Billy Porter's a lot of fun. I think he's going to do very well in that role. Um, yeah, I think we haven't seen a trailer or anything for this yet, so it's hard to really get excited for it at this point. Um, but I think it'll definitely just be interesting, especially on Amazon Prime. So, yeah. Do you guys have any thoughts? Yeah, I feel like this movie like doesn't really need to be in theaters. You know, <laughs> I don't think it'll thing. be like that well necessarily because yeah. we've had a million cinderella things um whatever i guess i'll watch this maybe i have prime so yeah. I'll, I'll tune in i guess <laughs> you have any thoughts mia not particularly i'm not the biggest camila fan so fair enough yeah um yeah we got the news that dave patista is the first person to join the cast of knives out 2 uh this news just came out earlier today uh yeah very exciting i'm a big fan of dave batista we all love knives out here uh and just excited to see what ryan johnson does with the sequel and dave batista is just generally a ton of fun in whatever he's in so i'm (laughs) sure he's gonna have a good time with this and i think he's gonna match ryan johnson's kind of directing style very well um so yeah i'm on board but i'm on board for this i'm curious to see if he's like the lead character or if he's just kind of a one of the supporting characters i kind of just assume he'll be like a Chris Evans type character. Yeah. Like he'll serve like a similar role. I think he'll be <laughs> somebody else that Daniel Craig is investigating. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, you guys have any thoughts? Um, I don't think so. Uh, I'm just looking something up real quick. He was in Spectre. Um, so he's been with Daniel Craig in a movie before. I forgot he was in Spectre. Yes. Hmm. Um, he's in Blade Runner 2049 too. Yes. He's very good in Blade Runner 2049 in the like two scenes he's in. I really need to see that. Yeah. Yes, hmm. we do. Um, but yeah, cool. I'm excited. Yep. Uh, yeah. Uh, a bit of big news that came out today, um, is that NBC has backed out of airing the 2022 Golden Globes. Um, so yeah, the Golden Globes have been airing on NBC for a while now. Uh, and yeah, they've, NBC announced that they're not going to be airing the Golden Globes, uh, as a direct response to the lack of, I guess, reform from the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. Uh, after earlier this year, they got in a lot of hot water for, so the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, for anyone that doesn't know, um, they're the voting body for the Golden Globes and they're made up entirely of international, uh, film critics and journalists. Um, but came out earlier this year that they are a very white organization. They, they, yeah, (laughs) um, they, they barely have any minorities, uh, in their voting part, in their voting, uh, block. Um, and yeah, that came out earlier this year and they said that they were going to be making some steps to fix that. And apparently they haven't really done that. And so NBC is like, you know what, we're just not going to do this. Um, which I just think, yeah, it kind of lights a, lights a fire under them to get moving. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what happens next. Uh, Tom Cruise, uh, as a, uh, like about the same time, apparently returned his Golden Globes. Says he just doesn't want them. Um, <laughs> How many Golden Globes do you think Tom Cruise has? Four. I'm thinking like one. Three. Three. So Mia was close. Mia wins. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I just think 
I think it's interesting. Um, yeah. What do you guys think? What if nobody airs the Golden Globes? Like, what happens? The Golden Globes are a joke anyway. Yes. So I, I don't really I, care. I don't think anyone watches them anyway. I think, I think the only reason to watch the Golden Globes is just to see Hollywood people get drunk and mess around. Yeah. Like, that's what they do. Um, but the Golden Globes, like, as an award ceremony themselves, they're a joke. It's like, like it's the worst... It's the worst award ceremony, and award ceremonies are and are are increasingly boring. Yeah. And so it's and it's the most boring of the, the Oscars this year was bad because it was like the Golden Globes. So, yes. Hmm. It was just a weird dinner party. Yeah. 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 And I just don't know why anyone pays attention to the Golden Globes. Like, why are they like one of the one of the major award ceremonies? Like, who cares? I feel like they're just like TV and movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Very exciting. Um. Yeah. Do you have any reaction to this, Mia? Not particularly. No. Yeah. Classic. I know. I'm just, I guess, enjoying listening to you guys talk. <laughs> Do you guys have any thoughts on Tom Cruise giving back his Golden Globes? <laughs> it's pretty savage. <laughs> Good for him, I guess. Yeah. It's a publicity. Yeah. It's probably just publicity. Yes. I don't um, think it's because Tom Cruise is a good guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well known good guy, Tom Cruise. Yes. Um, so. Yeah. Um, do you guys see uh, Tom Cruise in the first image of the new Mission Impossible? He's just standing yeah. on a train. He's just standing on a train. I love it. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> it looks cool. Great yep. lighting. What? What? Ex- how far do you think he's gonna go, stun wise? Like, is he just gonna? I have no idea. I, well, and that's kind of why I'm excited. Didn't there was some footage didn't he say of him he was like gonna shoot a movie in space? Wasn't that a thing that he said he was gonna try to do? <gasps> he might. I remember I'm that. sure he does. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure he will. Um, I think there was some footage from like the set of the new Mission Impossible of him like riding a motorcycle off of a giant ramp or something like yeah. into like a va- I don't know, but I'm sure it'll be Tom Cruise attempting to kill himself on camera. Yep. So <laughs> which is what the past four movies have been. So yep. Yep. yeah, but they're entertaining. Yes. So. Um, yeah, we got one big trailer this week, uh, and that's the trailer for Venom: Let There Be Carnage. So Venom: Let There Be Carnage, as you can probably figure out, is the sequel to the 2018 uh, Venom film, which was directed by Ruben Fleischer. Um, but this this film is being directed by Andy Serkis, um, who uh, most people will know from playing Gollum in Lord of the Rings and Caesar in The Planet of the Apes. But he's also directed a few films, uh, mainly. Uh, Mowgli a few years ago and another film that had I think Andrew Garfield and then a few years prior to that it was like a drama Um, but I cannot remember what it's called I think it was Andrew Garfield and Under the Silver Lake uh, I don't think so okay (laughs) (laughs) just just say in a movie I mean Um, do you remember what year it was it was just a few years ago breathe that was it Oh, yeah. um, apparently it was not great. Yeah, so. it was sad. Okay. Yep. Um, but yeah, uh, I think this trailer looks a lot like the first Venom. Mm-hmm. Like it very much is the same visual style and just the same general vibe of the first Venom. It seems like a very kind of natural extension of that first film. I thought the first film was all right. Uh, I thought it set up for some some. I thought it set up an interesting universe. Um, but I didn't think the film itself was that like amazing, but I didn't think it was a bad movie. Um, I'm definitely curious to see what Venom Let There Be Carnage turns out to be. Uh, I think this trailer is, yeah, it's fine. It's, I think the, the opening bit of like Venom and Eddie Brock making breakfast and Venom like (laughs) singing and that whole bit, I thought that was, 
very much in line with what the first Venom yeah. was. Uh, like the very much the kind of like '90s cheesy dumb sense of humor yeah. that they seem to be embracing. Um, yeah, I think uh, Woody Harrelson definitely looks better in this <laughs> than he did in the end credit scene of the first Venom. Um, they gave him a haircut, which was very much needed. Um, but if you actually like, so I watched like a frame by frame breakdown of this trailer earlier today. Um, there's actually a lot of like really interesting, like little visual details, uh, in this, um, specifically like, so there's this scene in which like, uh, it looks like they're going to be putting, uh, Cletus Cassidy to death, which is, uh, the carnage character or like Woody Harrelson's character. Um, and you can see like in that scene like the venom or the carnage symbiote like goes in the tube and like yeah. stops the poison from killing him um oh. which i think is really interesting uh and this film is going to be rated r unlike the first venom so i'm sure it's going to get very violent with carnage which is i feel like it's hard to do carnage without it being rated r like his name is literally carnage like <laughs> <laughs> carnage but he kills people off screen yeah um <laughs> And uh, Naomi, uh, Naomi Harris is in this film, and you get a couple of brief shots of her in the trailer. Um, there's mm. been some speculation that she's playing a character named Shriek, which is another kind of Venom-related Spider-Man villain um, that is also, like, the wife of Woody Harrelson's character, Cletus Cassidy. So they could be, like, a Bonnie and Clyde-esque duo in this movie that we'll see Eddie Brock, uh, Tom Hardy uh, fight, which I'm sure this movie will be a pretty much exactly like the first one. Because the first Venom... Even though people were pretty mixed on it, financially, the first Venom was actually pretty successful. It made like upwards of $800 million uh, globally. It was very successful in China. Um, and so, yeah, I think they're just playing into what worked in the first one, trying to just continue the success of that, and we'll see if it pays off. Uh, this movie's set to come out in September. Um, they confirmed that on Twitter, but notably, they did not say it in the trailer. Um, so if they change the release date, they can still play the trailer without having to commit to that. Um, yeah, I've talked a lot about this. What do you guys think? Um, looks fine. Looks like the same, looks like the first one. Um, I think I talked about the first one a month or two back when I watched it for the first time. Didn't like it very much. I didn't think it was terrible, but I just thought it was pretty bad. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I guess. Like, yeah, I mean, it, I, I just, I hate tom hardy's venom voice i just think it's really grating and annoying i think it's hilarious that tom hardy also voices venom yeah is that him like do making that voice with his i think his so voice? i think it's yeah. just him making a weird low gargly voice um, i feel like it's a very tom hardy thing to do yeah. um but yeah uh i like that the uh the evil symbiote in this is is red instead of gray which yes. is what uh riz ahmed's uh symbiote goo monster was yeah was so, it riot i think was the yeah name of it? that's it yeah. um and the um, the final fight of venom is just a black goo monster and a gray goo monster <laughs> just crashing into each other and it's impossible to tell what's happening so yeah. now we'll be it's very clear it's, it's a black goo monster and a red goo monster so yeah. that's pretty big pretty big stuff um also, I noticed at one point someone there's a spider and someone smashes it. Yes. So it's like it's, it's Spider-Man. Also, oh. like uh, there's a headline that has the Avengers in it, maybe. Yeah. Um, so. so there's been a lot of speculation online today because apparently there's a lot of just like little visual details that connect to other films. Specifically, the logo of the Daily Bugle in this is different than the logo than the logo of the Daily Bugle in the Tom Holland Spider-Man films. So that appears to confirm that that it, it is a 
different universe, but there's been speculation with uh, the introduction of the Spider-Verse in No Way Home later this year that this could be part of one of those other Spider-Verse films. Um, some people are saying that they want it to be the Tobey Maguire version uh, because the Daily Bugle logo is the same, but they've already done Eddie Brock and Venom in that Spider-Man continuity. To, to great success. Yes. Um, so personally, I think it'd be interesting if they... Uh, if there's like a reveal of some sort in this film that this film is set in the Andrew Andrew Garfield Spider-Man universe, I think that could be really interesting uh, and unexpected, and I think it could work, and I think it would tie in well. Uh, I'm not saying that's going to happen. Yeah. I wouldn't put money on that, but I think it's definitely a possibility because um, there is like little Spider-Man like hints in the first one, and then a few in this trailer. Um, so, yeah, I think yeah, it, I feel like. Fit-wise, it would fit best in the Andrew Garfield. Like, the the style and just generally the characterization of Venom just works, I think, the best in the Andrew Garfield one. I I think it feels kind of weird for the Tobey Maguire one because it feels too modern. Yeah. Those those movies really feel like a throwback. And maybe it's because I just feel like I didn't like Venom. (laughs) And I do like the first Amazing Spider-Man, but I think all the villains in those movies are terrible. And I feel like Tom Hardy's Venom is a villain that they would just put into Amazing Spider-Man 3 yeah. and would fit because it would be bad. So yeah. I feel like that would work. I don't know. I But I also, I would love to see like Tom Hardy and Tom Holland uh, have, have a battle. I think that would yeah. be pretty good. I think it'd be pretty interesting. Also, I, but also I'd like... So I haven't seen The Amazing Spider-Man 2, but I, I have seen the first one. Oh, you haven't? I have not. Uh, I, I've seen, good. Yeah, <laughs> I, I've heard. Yeah. Um, I, I have seen the first one, though, and I, I enjoyed the first one. And I really like Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man. So I think, A, it'd just be fun to get him back. Um, and B, I think it'd be interesting to see Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man and Tom, uh, Tom Hardy's version of Venom go head-to-head. I think that could be, I think that could be cool. Um, it's probably not going to happen, but I think it'd be interesting. Mia. As someone that doesn't <laughs> particularly enjoy these kinds of movies, what do you think of the trailer for Venom Let There Be Carnage? Do you have any interest in seeing this? No. <laughs> I I really just don't like Carnage, essentially. Like like the concept of just gore. I think <laughs> I do I just don't like watching violent movies, basically, and so that would just completely deter me, I think, from seeing this. I saw the trailer, and it's just... I also don't really like seeing goo monsters. And Well, if you don't like violence or goo monsters, Venom is really not the movie for Yeah. <laughs> I like the concept of it. Like, I, I do like what it looks like, but not if I'm seeing, like, heads being ripped off or, you know... I feel like that's what this is going to I feel... I don't, you wouldn't like the first one, but the first one is like Venom bites off someone's head, but it's off screen. Yeah. So like you see him open his mouth and then you hear a little chompy chomp, but like yeah. you don't see anything. No, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I'll pass. There are other movies out there. No. I like the, at the beginning of the trailer, the, the pizza box on the wall that says rules, no eating people. <laughs> yes. I, th- That's I, thought that was, I thought that was funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, moving on from there, we'll get into our main topic for the week. Um, and in case you haven't noticed, uh, off the based on the name of this of this file, uh, this is our 50th episode of Cinebraskins. Um, wow! It's been a, yeah, it's been a, it's been a ride. Uh, 
And so for our 50th episode, we wanted to do something fun. We wanted to do something that was worthy of the, of the, of the milestone that, that we have hit. Um, so looking, we went, we looked back through all of, uh, all of our podcast episodes, even including, uh, the, uh, the, the pre-existing podcast, uh, uh, entertainment optional. I forgot the name of it for a second. <laughs> um, and we found that there is one major topic that we have never covered. And that is just generally, what are our favorite movies? Like, what are our favorite movies of all time? We've just never done it for a main topic. And if there's any time to do it, we feel like this would be it. Um, so, yeah, that's what we're doing this week. Uh, our favorite movies of all time. We have each uh, prepared a list of five uh, unranked movies, just our five favorite movies. Um, I feel like I should include a disclaimer that obviously this is very subjective. Um, and I can't speak for you guys, but personally, like, my list of my favorite five movies or my favorite movies in general changes on the day-to-day basis. Um, so this is like most of these movies that I'll mention today, um, are kind of pretty solidly on this list, but there's one or two that could be swapped out, um, depending on the day. Um, so I, I vote we just kind of do a round robin and we'll talk about one movie at a time until we've all, until we've all done five. Woo. Um, so yeah, uh, as usual, Dave, let's start with you. Uh, what is one of your favorite movies of all time? So, as we, as we all know, I'm a big musical boy, big fan, movie musicals, love them. Um, so I, I have to include, I, I think, like the best movie musical of all time on here, which is Singing in the Rain. Um, it's great. It's, it's the best. Um, I have watched it countless times. Um, it's just such a delightful, charming, amazing movie. Uh, the performances are great. All the songs are just absolute bangers. <laughs> um, the dancing is phenomenal. absolute bops. Oh yes, absolutely. Um, the dancing is of, of course amazing. Um, just has. I feel like when I just like think about movies, like I think about this movie. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't really like have that much else to say <laughs> about singing in the rain, but it's good. Hot take. I like it. <laughs> Have I ever told you about my first time watching Singing in the Rain? No. Uh, so I saw it. I didn't see Singing in the Rain for the first time until I was like 18. Um, it was, yeah, just, which I suppose was like almost five years ago, which is weird. But uh, yeah, uh, I saw it in a theater for the first time, um, which it was It was like a month after La La Land came out because I remember like Turner Classical Movies was playing it in a local like AMC theater or something. Um, so I, I took a friend of mine uh, from high school Uh, And we decided to go see Singing in the Rain. So we bought tickets and went and saw it. And I think we were the only two people under the age of 65 in that theater. Um, (laughs) And I don't think think he had seen it either. So we both just like watched Singing in the Rain with a bunch of old people. And it was so much fun. It was just an absolute delightful film. Um, Yeah. I think what, what makes the like, obviously the songs are great and like the choreography for the dancing is great. But I think what makes it so like just wild to watch is that a lot of like the dance sequences um specifically the like making them laugh sequence is like just done in like one shot like it's entirely in frame and like they there's not a lot of cuts in it so it's like literally just performance um that drives those scenes um and yeah it's just it absolutely lives up to to the role that it has in like history um and yeah it's good it's good mia do you like singing in the rain i do and I like it as a concept as well. What does that mean? Like <laughs> literally singing in the rain. So you like going outside and singing in the okay. rain. 
And so you're and like, dancing. So from the beginning, you're like, I'm in on I'm this. I'm in. I'm sold. <laughs> Two of my favorite you're things. You're telling me there is rain and singing in this? <laughs> wow. It, it, that doesn't come for a while, so. This is true. But no, I do, I do like it. I remember, I think I saw it on the big screen. I don't remember why. Probably in one of Dixon's classes. I would classes. assume in one of Dixon's classes. Because I can hear his voice like making comments about <laughs> it. He's like, wow, look at that dancing. <laughs> look at that rain. Well, yeah. I remember him singing. saying that the rain was like milk. Yeah, that would probably yeah. like the most well-known fun fact about this movie is that the rain isn't rain. It is milk. Also, uh, Gene he Kelly was, had a like 105 degree fever <laughs> when he was filming that like that that yeah. scene so wasn't he, it like just very warm in there in general yeah. like yeah sucked, yeah like the but... milk went rancid and they still like used it <laughs> yeah so so when you're watching that iconic dance scene and it's just a very ill gene kelly dancing with spoiled milk <laughs> like everyone in that everyone on set for that scene just was like, just in hell gosh. like it was awful <laughs> but yeah pretty good yeah wow moved on to you mia what is one of your five favorite movies oh boy well <laughs> I feel like I really I want to apologize to anyone who listens to this because like literally not an episode passes uh, where I don't talk about a ghost story. <laughs> Shock. <laughs> you knew it was coming. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm just going to say I like this movie and we can move on because we've heard my thoughts about this countless times yeah. and I'm kind of sick of how much I like it. So you're going to talk yourself into not liking it. I don't think that's possible, mm-hmm. but yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What well, year did Ghost Story come out? 2017. It came out the same day as Spider-Man Homecoming. Who do we think has the, mo- like, without going through our list right now, but who do we think has the most recent, like, film on this list? I think it'll probably be Mia for a Ghost Story. Definitely not me. Oh, yeah. well, I've got to you, meet with another one. You've got another more recent film. Oh, I feel like I know what it is. I'm not gonna say it. But yeah, I feel like I know what it is. I think I think I got it. Yeah. Yeah. I have no idea. <laughs> I, I have one from 2016 on here, but that's my most recent. My most recent okay. is from 1985. Heavens. 89. David wow, likes look it at old you. School. Yes, I do. Mine are. I, yeah. I I felt too basic with some of my like recent choices, and I just I feel like I've talked about them a lot, so I just didn't include them here. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, the first one I'll mention is one that everyone will see coming. So I'm just gonna start with it, and that's the Lord of the Rings. Whoa. Uh, yeah. Who would have guessed? Um, so yeah, as I've mentioned before, I kind of, in terms of this list, I just loop all three of the films into one. I know they're three different films, but like, <laughs> it's if it if they weren't looped into one, it would be three of the five spots. So um, yeah, just quickly, I absolutely love Lord of the Rings. These are the movies that like made me fall in love with movies um i think that they're just i think both just like this the original story by tolkien and then just the way um uh, peter jackson adapted it um into film which like it was widely considered to be like an unfilmable story prior to peter jackson's um take on it um and yeah i think it's just absolutely incredible i think the performances from the whole cast are amazing the visual effects for the time are breathtaking um and just like the scope of the story and what they are able to do with these three films is just absolutely insane um it's there's real emotion to it they the it's close enough to the original books that it still is like faithful but they make necessary changes to it that i think definitely make the film stand out on their own like there's 
they they make like pretty significant changes to like some of the characters and like their motivations and like <laughs> they give because like in the books um a lot of the characters are very much just like archetypes like they're they're kind of like stagnant characters that kind of fill the same like they're they're very well written characters but they kind of just fill the same role for the base of the story like the the focus of the books is very much like on the the wider scale of what is happening rather than the personal level of each of the characters but in the films they really kind of develop the personalities of each of the characters and give specifically like Aragorn they give him like an arc um and they they like have him like kind of grow into the role of king rather than just kind of starting out with uh this is what i want to do um they have him like yeah uh because he's yeah i could go on about this for a long time <laughs> um yeah lord of the rings very 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 good uh i would say um i've got i've got the tattoo to prove my love for it um as mia does with ghost story so david you're, you're the you're the odd one out here you got to get a movie tattoo jeez Mom, if you're listening to this, I definitely will never get a tattoo. But if you're not listening to this, I definitely will get a tattoo. And you'll never know about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, moving on to you, Dave. What's what's your second film on so your list? So this is not a niche choice, but it's a choice that I know most people just like wouldn't have on their list. But this is just like a very personal movie to me. And that is the movie Field of Dreams. I know I watched it with you guys. When um, you were violently ill with food poisoning. Oh, yeah. <laughs> was that that night? I think yes. so. Wow. That's crazy. But yes, <laughs> I, when, I, when I showed this movie to Kyle and Mia, I was like, hmm, I don't feel too good. And then I, we finished the movie and I went to the bathroom and I just yacked all over <laughs> Kyle's toilet. So. I can confirm that this did happen. Um, but yeah, I, I love baseball baseball is something that i am deeply passionate about um and i I grew up with this movie this is like my dad's favorite movie it's a movie i watch with my family like all the time it's a very cheesy sappy movie i think a lot of people don't like it because of that i feel like you either like love this movie or like you hate it i i feel like generally like in at least when it comes to like all-time like sports movie list that i look at like people it's either at like the top of people's list or they're like this is sappy garbage. That is terrible. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I love it. Like, I, I just think the performances are all really great in it. It's Burt Lancaster's last movie. Um, he's, he's, a, he's a mustachioed doctor man <laughs> who is maybe a ghost. Um, it's a very silly movie if you, like, look at, like, the plot. But it's just, like, it, it, just, it, it brings me such comfort. And I, I love the score to it. Uh, I think the ending where he's playing catch with his dad is like just an all-time movie moment for me. So, I love it. I would watch it any day of the week. Nice. Yes. Nice. I well remember done. thinking it was pretty good. Yeah, and that's that's fine. Like, <laughs> I'm glad you at least liked it. Yeah. So, yeah. Hmm. What's next on your list, Mia? Or do you have a reaction to Field of Dreams? Well, I remember not liking it well, as much. I hate you. So. Well, <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. I'm also not a big baseball fan, so I, I get that I don't get the nostalgia sort of element with it. So I thought it was pretty good. Cool. Probably won't see it again. That's but fine. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll watch it plenty of times to make up for all there of this. There you go. Yeah. That's great. Um, well, again, uh, 
we are talking about favorite movies, so these are all ones that we have talked about before, apart from Dave, who's just doing the most to talk about movies that he hasn't talked about before, which is great. But um, I'm not, and so I'm going to talk about Interstellar, because you just... You gotta. You gotta. It's, it's literally one of my favorite movies. I think I like it more every time I watch it. We can talk about the cinematography and the score and the emotional appeal and just everything, but we don't need to. So um, I really love this movie. It makes me sob. Like sob. (laughs) At different points, too. Sob like Matthew McConaughey sobs. Yes. Murph! (laughs) Murph! (laughs) Just, you can't do that, though. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I just really like this movie, so... I'd also like to throw it out there that, yeah, Dave went totally, like, old school with his choices, and Kyle, like, Lord of the Rings, I was thinking that, but I also haven't seen them recently enough to be like, yes, they are in my top five, so they would be if I had seen them in the last, like, couple of years, but it's been a while, so I would just like to say all of my movies are, like, very, very recent, so few things. that's it. I think Interstellar is fine. But I've only seen it once with you guys. And I, I like, I love the score. Like, I listen to it all the time. Yes. It's great. I think it's a movie that you need to see more than once because I just kind of was barely figuring out what was even happening. So now that I, like, generally get it, I think I would enjoy it a lot more on a second mm-hmm. view. Um, I also just don't, and I, I don't really have a reason why. I just don't like Matthew McConaughey as an actor. Like, I don't know why. I just don't. Like, I, I just, he just generally annoys me in all of the roles that he's in. Um, wow. I just, like, I just see him as Matthew McConaughey. Like, as just, like, yeah. his annoying car commercials where he's talking about life. Like, that's just what he's talking about. about Lincoln's. Yes. And, yeah. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I think I, I understand why it is, like, such an impactful movie for you. Yeah. But yeah. I think it is. Okay. I think it was also what you were saying like this was probably one of the beginning movies that made me like really love movies mm-hmm. and i i mean it, i saw it when like when it came out i have very clear memories of like seeing it when it came out and then like seeing it over and over and over since then so i think it kind of and it, it was i think my f- well no i was gonna say it was my first nolan movie but i'd seen the batman movies before but yeah it was the first film where i was like wow like you can do this with the movie and mm-hmm. like combine music and space and like create something just so stunning and yeah. weird science. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, I will uh, continue off of that uh, by saying like the first, so the next film on my list uh, is Birdman uh, or the unexpected virtue of ignorance uh, from, from 2014, I believe. Um, and yeah, I have a very similar experience to Birdman as I think you do Interstellar, where it's kind of like, it was the first film I like saw in a theater and it kind of like dawned on me like what you can do with cinema, like mm-hmm. what, what it allows you to do like as an art form. Um, and I think that's just like the, both like the, the plot of the movie, um, which is about like, uh, like a washed up uh, actor who used to be popular for playing a superhero in the 90s and now he's... Uh, kind of down on his luck, uh, his career isn't going anywhere, and he's trying to just throw together this Broadway production that he's writing, directing, and starring in, and everything's going wrong. Um, and just uh, the, so it's directed by uh, Alejandro Gonzalez and Um and just like the way he 
both builds the characters um, and like their specific like motivations um, was really interesting. But then also like the way the film's shot. Um, so like um, it's very well known that this film is is shot to make it seem like it's all one continuous mm-hmm. shot. So there's no specific breaks or cuts. Um, even though like there's points where you can definitely tell where there would be cuts. Um, but it just kind of makes the film feel very fluid um, mm-hmm. and very it kind of if it makes the film like feel very like like it makes it move like it, it it has direction and it's always doing something or going somewhere or telling some or telling some other story or it's it's just a very detailed film mm-hmm. um and when i saw it, it it just like really struck a chord with me and yeah uh it upon further rewatch like it maybe doesn't hold up as like much i don't like love it as much as i did upon initial viewing but <laughs> it still holds a very special place in my heart because of that because of just like that that experience that i had with it and like i still have that experience with it but i think just because i know what it is at this point like it revisit i don't revisit it like super frequently because <laughs> like i just generally know what i'm getting into with each viewing mm-hmm. um but yeah i Still think Michael Keaton should have won an Oscar for this. Like, I understand why he, like, so he lost to Eddie Redmayne for Theory of Everything that year. Mm. And, like, I think that is entirely understandable because Eddie Redmayne is incredible in A Theory of Everything. But I still think it should have gone to Michael Keaton uh, for Birdman. Um, and, yeah, it's a, it's an incredible film. And, yeah. I, yeah, we we watched it for for a movie night, I think, last, last semester. Yeah, because um, Dave hadn't seen it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is correct. Yeah. And so, yeah, there, there's my, my second film. Nice. I really want to rewatch it because I loved it the first time. But I feel like, again, when I feel like I understand, I, when I feel like I understand what's happening, mm-hmm. then I think I yeah. will like it more. And the performances just across the board are incredible. Really? <laughs> so there's Michael Keaton, there's Emma Stone, there's Edward Norton, there's Zach Galifianakis. There's, yeah, just like an endless list of. Who's the, the gal who's in the play with him? <sighs> I don't recall off the top of my head. I'm blanking okay. on her name. I know uh, the girl that plays uh, Holly in The Office is in oh. this, uh, Amy Ryan. I know she's yeah. in it. she's his ex-wife, but then there's Andrea Riseborough um, okay. and Naomi Watts are in this as oh, well. Oh, I was thinking. Um, and they're, yeah. they're all very, yeah. very good in this as well. Um, hmm. Yeah. So I did say that I did not have a, a modern movie on this list, but then... Because this movie, because this list is a just a very fluid, just like not concrete, uh, like my five favorite movies. I made a I made a switch, <laughs> and I added La La Land um, because it's just I it was like nagging in the back of my mind, and I was like, am I being too basic for saying that La La Land is one of my favorite movies? And maybe I am, but I don't care. I love They're, it. It's your favorite. It's it, one of your favorite. It's one movies. of my favorite movies. Yeah. I, I think. For all of the reasons why I love Singing in the Rain, like, that's, like, why I love La La Land. I think it so lovingly translates what makes, like, old movie musicals so great and just, like, puts it into, like, the modern day. And I think that's great. Um, I kind of go back and forth on, like, what I really think about, like, Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone, like, in these roles. I think they're really, really good. Um, I think i have settled on that i love that their voices aren't like necessarily the best because like that's kind of the point 
because if their voices were really good, then they'd be famous musicians and actresses like, like yeah. they want to be. So um, that like doesn't really bother me as much as I think it bothers other people. Um, and yeah, I think, and I, I think this is a movie that like anybody can enjoy, but I think because I have such just like a love and nostalgia for old movie musicals, like this just like seeing this on a big screen for the first time was like a seminal movie experience for me. Um, so yeah. I know both of you really love this movie too, so we can agree on this. Yeah, Carl La Land isn't on my list, but it is in like the top ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So nice. I knew it was going to be on your list. <laughs> well, it almost wasn't. Guess wow. what was almost there? Um, I don't know. It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, it was almost there. Oh, who? But it is okay. <laughs> so I, I, I was like. Yeah, I, I love it, but I think I love all of it. Yeah. On, so. so on my Letterboxd, um, which we'll plug all of our Letterboxd at the end of this yeah. episode, um, but I have like a running list of what I consider my top 50 films of all time, uh, and I do also have It's a Wonderful Life on that list. It's nice. much lower on that list, but it is still it is still there. It's very good. That's very good. Yeah. I probably won't plug my Letterboxd because I don't update it. I like deleted the app. So Yeah, that's fair. That's lame i know sorry wow. i have no space on my phone so bummer it's great um well <laughs> i think that this one is just kind of we haven't really really talked about it all that much and that is ratatouille <laughs> <laughs> this is unexpected well, this is out of left field i didn't realize you loved ratatouille that much i really do it's definitely just a nostalgia piece but it's also I just love animated movies and I love this style mm -hmm. and I have very clear memories of like seeing it in the theater and really, really loving it. And like being a pretty little kid, I think I don't remember how old I was or what year it came out, but, um, just fond memories of that. And I think every time I go back to watch it, it's like, yeah, this is like a really, really good movie. It's a great story, has great music in it. I just, it's so like weird and it just makes me so happy it's definitely like a comfort movie mm -hmm. and you know it's not going to disappoint you or change the story at all yeah i just i really really like it so i had to throw an animated movie on there as well so yeah love a good kids movie yeah ratatouille is great like it's 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 very very good like i think like the scene that like is probably like my favorite scene in that movie is the one where like he's like trying the food and there's like all the yes. different colors and everything and it's just like i don't know it's just really it's really well done yeah. um so yeah um so here's the thing i don't know if i've ever seen the full gratitude really what if i have it was like when i was a tiny child it's oh my like, goodness i think it's definitely a film that is like better appreciated like as an adult yeah, than a kid sure. Like, cause mm -hmm. I, I think I was in the same boat yeah. and then I watched it again probably about a year ago. Um, yeah. and then I was like, this is like genuinely like really, really good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I, and I, Patton Oswalt as the voice of, is it Lemmy or Remy, 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 <laughs> sorry. Um, but he's yeah, yes. so good. Yeah. I think Ratatouille and Wally are the <gasps> Pixar movies that I have not revisited as an adult, but they are the movies that I should revisit as an adult because mm -hmm. they are pretty much animated movies for adults yeah so yeah 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 ratatouille man pretty good very good wally's also very very good yes it is they came yeah. out around the same time too i think wally was a couple years before but yeah yeah i think so because i was i was thinking it was the other way around i was thinking yeah, it was ratatouille I, then wally 
No. I don't think so. Hey, it's Ratatouille. David, I... David's doing a quick Google. We're going to find out. Ratatouille. I now can spell that word right. Uh, Ratatouille became before Wally. What were the years? Okay. 2007 Ratatouille, 2008 Wally. Oh. They're pretty they wow. were pretty close together yeah. though. Pretty back to back. I was wrong. That's unfortunate. Jeez. Eh. I guess I I saw Ratatouille in movie or in movies in in theaters and I didn't see Wally in theaters. So, you so maybe seen that way. Ratatouille like, first. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Ratatouille has on Metascore. On Metascore? Yes. I don't really use Metascore all that much. So, really? yeah. I use Metascore like, a lot. Yeah. Um, well, it's like a 94. it's like a zero to one hundred yeah. rating, isn't it? I think it has like a ninety eight. Ninety six. So I, I, wow. I, I was like a lot higher than I thought it was going to be. So hmm. pretty good. It's very good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, third film I want to mention uh, is I think I've talked about it on this podcast before. I've definitely talked about it with you guys before. Um, it is undoubtedly my favorite comedy of all time. Um, and that is Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Uh, so Monty Python and the Holy Grail is, I just, I do not have enough words to describe how hilarious this movie is. And this is a movie that I do. I don't remember a time before having watched this movie. Like it was just kind of one of those movies that I always watched as a kid. Um, even though like looking back, I didn't understand a majority of the jokes in this movie as a kid, but I still thought it was hilarious at the time and was constantly quoting it. Um, and then just like the more I watched it as I grew older, uh, I just picked up on more and more jokes and that kept the, like every time I went back to it, like over the course of my life, I found something new to love about it and something new just to like absolutely just to die in laughter at. Um, I think it, this is like, so Monty Python, uh, as a, as a comedy troupe is obviously one of the most well-known comedy troops like of all time. And I think this is like their peak. I think this is like the best thing that they have done. Um, and it's just, it's just so hilarious. It's so funny. Um, just every, every scene and every skit and every bit and every skit just like give something new to offer <laughs> and something new to laugh at. Um, and like when I was in high school, like my friends and I, we did, uh, we, we were in speech and we did an OID of Monty Python and the oh, Holy Grail. That would be very it was fun. so much. It was yeah. probably the, the most fun I had doing anything in the entirety of speech. And like, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, we had, we had a lot of fun with that. Um, and yeah, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. It's just, yeah, it's like, there's so many like just iconic scenes and like, it's infinitely quotable. Like I still quote it with my friends like to this day. Um, and just like there's scenes like the. Like the one of like the the of King Arthur like going down and like harassing the peasants and he's like help help I'm being repressed and like that whole scene like there's there's so many like little jokes and like little one liners in that that like I did not understand as a kid and like I didn't entirely understand until like the past year or two and so it's just like every time I go back and revisit it like it's just so refreshing and there's always just like yeah it's it's incredible it's yeah. It's Very just like good. the writing is on point, the performances are on point, the concept is, yeah, excellent, and just like as a whole, I think Monty Python and the Holy Grail is like as close to a, like a perfect comedy as you can get. Like it has always been my com my favorite comedy, and it <laughs> will always be my favorite comedy. Like there's just undoubtedly no chance anything unseats this. It's just oh, yeah, wow, I love it. Well, wow, it's very interesting that you say that. It is also on my list. That, that's, what hey. I, that's what I was going to say next. Wow. Uh, Good. Yep. It's my favorite comedy. Too, it's, so. it's amazing. It's, yeah. 
Maybe we should watch this tonight. Maybe it, we should. It's so Please, good. Please, I haven't seen it in years. It's so good. So I, ha- good. I have it on DVD, so we can, yeah. we can watch it. Yeah. Let's, let's rock and roll. Let, yes. Um, yeah, I love it so much. I've seen it, I have no idea how many times. Like countless yeah. amounts. Like, um, yeah. And I, I think I saw it for the first time as a very small child, and I was only allowed to watch like two scenes or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, and kind of as I grew, I kind of grew up, as I grew up, I was allowed to watch more and more of this movie and just appreciated like just more and more of just the mm-hmm. absurd jokes in it. And like, I, I, there's just so many bits I'm thinking about that are just amazing. Yeah. Um, like even like right from the opening credits of the movie, like yes. they just jump right into it yep. and like, yeah. Yep. They, yeah. Um, and then it just ends so <laughs> in such a dumb way. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I, I mean, I, there is nothing more I can say than like what you already said. So it's it is the best. Yeah, and every time you like think you know what direction it's going, or like you think you understand like what the next twist or bit is gonna be, they always just like do something to like shake the whole thing up, and yeah. just like you have absolutely no idea what's gonna happen. It's, it's it's nonsense, but it is incredible nonsense. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Mia time. Well, that was definitely not. Um, yeah, not on my list. <laughs> Taking a big turn in direction. Turn in direction? I don't know. I don't know what I was trying to say there. <laughs> um, I feel like you guys have come up with like these great like classic movies, and I'm just going to slide in here with Captain America the Winter Soldier. <laughs> Captain America the Winter Soldier is also in my top ten. Yes. It's not on – I'm okay. not going to be talking about it today, okay. but it is in my top ten. That's great. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just – I have a very, very special place in my heart for Marvel movies, and I think it's my favorite Marvel movie. I think, again, we have to talk about soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Like, the classic, like, Winter Soldier the, theme. The, like, scream. Like, yeah. That was, like, introduced oh. in this one, and now it's, like, used again and again. It's just so good. And, yeah, we were talking about, I think a couple episodes ago, we were talking about, like, twists. I think that was mm-hmm. a theme. And, uh... We, we talked about the, the twist in this, and yeah, I remember, I wasn't the biggest Marvel fan, I think, when I saw it for the first time, but even, I was like, oh my gosh, what what are they doing here? And yeah, mm-hmm. it's just a, it's a good movie. It's also a comfort movie. I think that's really, like, this list is just, I mean, obviously it's favorite movies, so it's ones that I enjoy watching over and over again, even if I know the story you know like the back of my hand or it's supposed to have a twist and i already know the twist like it's just it's a great movie great great script and idea and execution and yeah very very good so that is that that is my fourth cool yeah um yeah my fourth one uh is is going to be something that i think it definitely like you could predict uh and my fourth one is the empire strikes back um so i'm i'm a big star wars i'm a big star wars boy uh, i always have been it's one of my favorite franchises out there um just like monty python i think the original star wars trilogy like i do not remember a time before having watched star wars um but i think the empire strikes back in particular is one that like as i've gotten older i've just grown to appreciate more and more um i think just like the way that Empire Strikes Back builds on the original Star Wars, because, like, obviously the original Star Wars is, like, a really fun space adventure, but, like, it isn't until Empire that you really 
get a good idea of what this universe is. It's an empire that they develop these characters, they develop their relationships with another with one another. You see like how how the events of the first one changed them, but then also you get a much better look at like what the Star Wars universe is. You you visit many 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 different planets and see many different like cultures on those planets and just like a lot of different like yeah there's various adventures going on at the same time and specifically for this so i think it came out like 1982 um and like specifically for or maybe it was 1980 because i think i think return of the jedi was 82 um but like for the time like it was like there had been like no sequel like this before that was just so drastically different from what the first thing was because like yeah as i mentioned like the original star wars is a really fun space adventure but empire strikes back is like a drama like just like the amount of character drama in it and it's it's very dark it's very depressing and you see these characters fail um and like the end of the film is not hopeful like it ends and like they lose and it's just nothing is going well for these characters and nothing goes well for these characters basically in the whole movie um and it's interesting just like see how that develops them um and obviously john williams score is incredible uh i think some of the best star wars themes of any of the films come from empire um and yeah i know it's i know it's cliche at this point to have empire strikes back be your favorite star wars film (laughs) but i can't deny it like it's absolutely incredible um so yeah that's that's my that's my fourth one i am absolutely shocked that rise of skywalker was my favorite (laughs) (laughs) yeah me too yes um so yeah my last movie i think and this is uh, again this is always changing but i think this might be my favorite movie ever i don't really know but i saved this for last for a reason because i love this movie and it is back to the future um i just i i think this is probably one of like the first movies i remember seeing um it's i don't really know exactly how to define it because it, it's not like it's not an action movie like like it is but it is it's not really a comedy it's it's not really a sci-fi movie. It's just kind of like all of the best elements of all of those genres just into one. Um, it's really funny. There's a lot of really memorable action in it. Um, gotta love a good time travel story. The music's great. Um, I, I feel like it is just like the ultimate blockbuster for me. Um, I don't know. It just, I, I've seen it so, so, so many times. And I would just, I would watch it like right now and just have a very good time with it. So... <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I think it's just one of like the most like perfect movies in my opinion. Yeah. It's iconic. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, the back to the future movies are another one of those, uh, just like trilogies of classic movies that they've just always been around. Like I, I remember watching the three of them like on repeat as a kid, like whenever they were on TV or even just throwing in like a DVD or something like they were just like always playing at some point. Um, so yeah, I I didn't realize you were that big of a fan of them, but I I can respect that. Yeah. I actively do not like the second or third one. I don't think they're really, um, I need to, I just think the second, the second one is really confusing. Um, and the third one is just kind of dumb in my opinion, but yeah, I mean, I just, I love the first one. It is just the best. (laughs) So Mia, have you seen this movie? I have, but I was very, very young. And I don't remember much of it. Well, it's good. Okay. 
I like it. Okay. <laughs> As I've mentioned. <laughs> I couldn't tell. <laughs> what movie? Well, I only just realized that I didn't add one that is a classic, but I kind of want to talk about the one that I think you think you know what it is. Do you want to say? Call me by your name? No. Oh, really? No. Uh, it is Jojo Rabbit. Really? Oh, really? Yeah. Again, music. Yeah. That's all it is. It's music and colors for me. <laughs> I'm very simple. Mia is a simple gal. <laughs> Just music, cinematography, colors. I love this movie. It, like, it makes it, like... I feel my heart like fill with joy when I watch this movie. It's just, I think Taika is so cool. He has such an amazing vision and he like comes in and totally changes with how, I don't know, like he's unlike a director I've ever seen before. And I just like admire him so much and what he did with this movie. And it's such a cool concept and i know a lot of people didn't like it like i showed it to my family and literally none of them liked it they were like yeah okay which is fine like i can appreciate it it, i know they just they were like well i don't really get like the satire of it or like they just didn't like it and Mm -hmm. i was like that's why i like it i don't know i just think it's so so good and like heroes in german coming in at the end of the movie with Mm -hmm. the dance like yeah like that's just like dopamine and serotonin levels like at an all-time high at the end of that so yeah yeah i think what taika watiti does best uh with jojo rabbit and i think jojo rabbit might be taika watiti's best film um uh i think he does such a good job of balancing like the humor of it with like the incredible emotion of it Mm -hmm. like there's so many different layers to this movie that can you can just dive into um and it's just very well done i also love jojo rabbit um it is one of kayla's favorite movies um and yeah we named our rabbit after it so (laughs) um so yeah it's, it's pretty good yeah um yeah the last movie on my list um i know you both know that i love but i don't think you expect it to be (laughs) yeah i don't think you expect it to be on this list uh and that's the nice guys yeah i i I expect absolutely love the nice guys um and that's this is like yeah the most recent film on this list it came out like 2016 so uh, a different 2016 ryan gosling movie than la la land um but yeah the nice guys is one of those movies that just like every time I watch it, I find something new to love about it. It's just, just so well done. It's like the mystery. I remember the first time I, the first couple times I watched it, I didn't really understand the mystery, but like with how many times I've seen it at this point, like it's, I think I've like come to come to like, like the mystery a lot more and like think that it's a very well done mystery, but also it's just absolutely hilarious. I think Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe's performances are outstanding and their chemistry between the two of them is just so much fun to watch like i just i just absolutely love this movie it's it's just such a vibe and i it's yeah it's 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 very very good my parents hate this movie uh i i recommended it to them and they watched it one time when i wasn't home and they did not like it granted like i suppose that's to be expected like it deals very heavily with the 70s porn industry yeah so (laughs) but it's it's so much fun yeah and yeah it's yes good, good time uh you showed it to us i think that was our first ever movie night with yep. the nice guys yeah wow what a time yeah um and 
I have since shown it to like everybody I know. Like like I've shown it to my dad. I showed it to my roommates. Like it's great. It's yeah. it's a great. It, it's a movie. Like it makes me like sad when I watch it because I'm like we're never getting another one of these. Yeah. <laughs> and I I so want another one. Like I think the continued adventures of them would be awesome. Yeah. But alas, maybe it is maybe it is good that it bombed because we will have this this great movie. That yeah. Will never be tainted mm-hmm. by bad sequels. Yes, that is true. Yeah. But yeah. So those are those what? are our five favorite films. That's, wow. Those are some movies that exist. Those are wildly differing movies. I, I feel think. like they all like paint a good picture of like our personalities. <laughs> yeah. Like I, yeah. I agree. Music yes. and colors. <laughs> <laughs> Music and colors and sadness. Old ish movies. Yeah. For me. Yeah. And just classics for Kyle. Yeah, that's kind of a variety. But yeah, you know, it's a mix. You are the ultimate movie boy. This so. is true. <laughs> Touched on, yeah, a wide. You had the widest range of movies. I was like five years, <laughs> or like ten. Yeah. But yeah, so this has been episode fifty of Cinebraskans. Wow. It's been yeah, it's, it's a good time. It's it's been it's been a very fun ride with you both. Yeah. And who knows how many more of these we'll do? We'll do some more. More will happen. Yeah. I don't know how many more. We'll find out. We've got to like the end of June. Yeah. So. And then Kyle vanishes. And then I will no longer exist. Yes. yes. <laughs> Once you are done with the DN, that's it. You just. I just disappear into yep. the air. Yep. 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 All right. So yeah, this has been episode 50 of Cinebraskans, the Daily Nebraskan Entertainment Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Kyle Cruz, joined by my co-host. David Berman. As well as. Mia Everding. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in. See ya. See ya. <laughs>